0: Well, good morning again. Last week on Easter Sunday, we started a new series entitled Love Reigns. We rejoiced and celebrated the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. His victory over death is proof that indeed He is King over all. We committed once again to live in the reign of Jesus' love. And we dedicated our lives to become more like Him. Sanctification, becoming more and more like Christ every day. And today we're going to consider the way the love of God reigns over our past. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, listen to me, we do not have to be controlled by the mistakes that happened long ago. Many believe that their past is a hindrance to the present. Many people believe that their past mistakes hinders them. That can be a very heavy burden to bear, to endure, undergo when you feel weighed down by the previous choices that you have made. Now, one area of life that seems to happen quite a bit is in the area of sports. Almost every sports team on earth, franchise, or organization have these bad luck stories, if you will. Why the team is suffering loss or can't get the championship. The most famous one of all that I can think of is called The Curse of the Bambino. and This happened back in 1919 when the manager of the Boston Red Sox decided to sell Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Many people believe that that decision inaugurated an 86-year-old Excuse me. 86-year drought in world championships, and it was not broken until 2004 when they won the championship. 84 years. You heard it talked about in sportscasting. That one decision controlled their entire present and future. For think about that. 86 years. Now there's other legends of bad luck based on the past. So it's a so-called badden curse. There's a Sports Illustrated curse. If you're on the Sports Illustrated, it's going to jinx you. My whole point being, oftentimes there are these things hanging over us that we let them guide our present and into our future. Many of us can probably point to some decisions that we've made in the past that we have trouble living down. Some are honest mistakes. They didn't have many consequences, why others had devastating effects. Now, though we cannot change our past, oh, I have to say this, we need to learn from our past, we can ensure that our past does not control our present or future. The Gospels are full of stories of individuals with shady pasts. And they experience a fresh start because of their interactions with Jesus. The New Testament often speaks of the transformation power of Jesus' selfless sacrifice on the cross and his triumphant resurrection from the grave. And we see and read in the Gospels, in the Bible, where when people place their trust in Christ, they were different. They are forgiven, they are made new. And the greatest news of all, dear beloved, Is that all our decisions that have caused us such guilt and shame can be nullified by the love of Christ? And Paul speaks of this in our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone, notice, doesn't say to certain people, if anyone is in Christ, He or she is a new creature, a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, that's interjection. Behold or look, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ Reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you, we implore you, we plead with you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I have to admit this is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It's something I cling to when I first gave my life to Christ. And the first thing we see is out with the old And in with the new. Look at verse 17. This verse builds on verses 14 and 15. That's why it begins with the word, therefore. It is because of God's love that we who are in Christ are new creations, are new creatures. What does it in Christ mean? It means that you belong to Christ. That you live in the sphere of Christ's power that you're united with Christ and you're part of the body of Christ, the believing community, here expressed as Forestburg Baptist Church. Being in Christ should bring about a radical change in a person's life. When you're united with Jesus, because of our faith in Him, we experience a transformation that makes us new. Now, in order to regain this newness, the old has to be removed. The love of God removes all of the old sh- sin, shame, guilt, mistakes and failures. When God loves reigns in us, it overpowers the whole that these old things used to have in our lives. However, however it has to be cleaned up and space made for the new things God wants us to do. The way of illustrating that is On TV today, there's a lot of home shows talking about how they go in and remodel a home. Now, some of these homes, they pull up to them, they look pretty bad. And most people say, why even spend the money remodeling this home? It might be cheaper and easier just to bulldoze it over and build a new one. But these shows have people on them that can see past everything. I think of... um, Chip and Jorana Gaines, how they go in and she can see past all the old wood, past all the wallpaper, everything that's broken. They can say, can't you see the potential in this space and how beautiful it will become? Some people can see it. Some people go, it looks like a bunch of junk to me. But she has that gift, she can see it. And then becomes Demo Day, which is Chip's favorite day. This is the show Fixer Upper. He loves to get in there and demolish everything. If you've seen the show, takes a big sledgehammer and just starts swinging. But they have to remove everything out of that home. All the old wood that's rotten, everything that's old and damaged has to be pulled out. Because if they don't do that, when they rebuild, all that old stuff will come back to haunt them. See, we let Christ into our lives. We have to let Him into our heart and go into every single room. When you have company over to your house, and probably they show up, announce or announce, doesn't really matter, you let them in the foyer, right? Come on in. And immediately they will guide you to the formal living area. That no one ever sits in because they want to keep it clean in case company comes over, right? Tim, don't sit in that couch. Why not? It's for company only. Well, excuse me. Don't use those towels in that bathroom. Why? Because they're for company only. You follow? So we're very careful where we guide them into, right? And if they're really lucky, they might be involved into the kitchen. What's the first thing you hear said when you go visit somebody? Excuse the mess. I appreciate that, but I'm not here to pretty much criticize your house. I'm here to see you. Well, you might let them in the kitchen. Now, if you're real lucky, maybe you'll go back into where everybody everybody kind of hang out in the TV room. God forbid if we let them go into the bedroom or much less our closet. How many times we let God come in into our heart? Come on in, we're ready for you, Lord. It's Sunday morning, I'm ready to go. We let him into our foyer, into our living room area. And as he starts his gaze around, you can tell he's displeased with some of the things he sees. And then he says, Tim, what about that? That door back there is closed. Oh, the Lord, you don't need to go in there. Uh, No, I'm not ready to share that with you yet, Lord. Well, Tim, no, no. You see the point I'm making? We have to let him get into our heart and clean house, if you will, in order for that new to take hold. We can't, when it, when it comes to our lives, He doesn't simply overlook our sinful past. He forgives it and removes it. So it no longer has power over us. Well, we have to agree to let Him do that. So in those places of our heart that would probably been hurt, or there's been abuse, whatever it is, we're holding it close. And let me tell you, that tension that you may be feeling, It's the Creator Himself speaking to your heart this morning. Let me take care of that for you. Let go of that. It has so much power over you right now. You don't even know it. Let me deal with that. We confess our past to Jesus. We allow His radical forgiveness to come to our lives. What's that confess mean? It means to acknowledge our old sinful ways. Agree agree to allow God to replace those sinful ways with godly ways. So, in telling lies, you speak truth. From From being selfish all the time, we become selfless. From stop spreading gossip to become more of an encouragement. If we hold on to those things, we'll become frustrated. It's like when you remodel that house, you don't replace that old wood that's rotten. You just put a new floor on top of it. What's going to happen eventually? That floor's going to give way. If you just put a new floor without looking at the foundation, you're really going to have problems. When we try to live as a new creation while holding on to our past vices, we become frustrated. Our relationship with, with, our relationship with God and with others will suffer. We must allow God to remove it all. And there's some of us in this room right now, we're holding on to something of our past. And it has so much power over you that it's keeping you from experiencing God and to know God the way He intends you to know Him. The enemy is great of taking our past and using it against us to keep us from a true relationship with the Lord. Psalm 103, verse 12. When you confess and you repent from your sin, As far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed our transgressions from us. What a great promise. He removes it. Does not bring it up anymore. Allow God to start a fresh start with you with a renewed heart. Allow Him to instill within us a desire to live for Him. Psalm 51.10 Create in me a clean heart, O God, And renew steadfast spirit within me. That should be our cry every single morning we get up. Oh God, have mercy on me. Create in me a clean heart. A desire to know you and to walk with you. Here's the point, dear beloved. You don't have to walk around defeated and full of shame anymore. If you're a believer a Christian, a disciple of Christ, you can be confident in the fact that you have been forgiven, that your sin is removed. As far as east is from the west, your past does not have to control your future anymore. But yet, some of us still want to hold on to it and let that past control our present and even affect our future. But you have to remember, for that to really happen, you have to let go and give it all over. You're not going to tell Him or reveal to Him anything in your heart that He doesn't know already. And I said this once, I'll say it a thousand times. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your heart inside and backwards. He knows what you're thinking right now. And in spite of everything He knows about you, He still says, I love you. I want you. I you. Desire to have a relationship with you. Then we see God's love for us and God's love through us in verses 18-21. through 21. All of this, he says, is a gift, a gracious gift from God. All of it is from Him. That means that getting past our past is not something we can do on our own. We cannot overcome our sins or make up for them by doing good things. Look at verse 18. God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. Though our sin broke our relationship with Him, His love reigns over our sin and makes us right with Him, and that's through Christ. We confess our sin against God and receive His forgiveness. We experience a restored relationship with Him. Love reigns in us, and we are made new. Not only that, look what we become. we become conduits, if you will, of this reigning love for others around us. Look at verse 18 again. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at verse 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. So I was estranged, I was an enemy. Not part of family, but because of Christ and His work on the cross, me putting my faith and trust in Him, wanted Him to be Lord and Savior of my life, now I become part of the family. I am loved. I, 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 he pulls me in. And only that, but he, now I'm an ambassador. Now what's an ambassador? If you were an ambassador to say, England, the president would send you over there with a message, and when you spoke, you would represent the nation of the United States, all its people, It's political power, it's military power, it's wealth, it's fluence. Everything that America is, you would represent in that country. But you have to get approval from the president before you speak. Same thing, now we're ambassadors. As Christians, we are ambassadors of the one true eternal kingdom that will never pass away. And when we speak, we represent that kingdom. When we act, we represent that kingdom. But just like the ambassador of this country, we need to get our message from the king himself, which is God, which he does give us the message through the Holy Spirit. We are ambassadors. It's so he says they're, they're begging. Begging people to become reconciled to God. Why would they be begging people? Because if you're not reconciled to God, you're not justified. Your sin is not forgiven. So at the end of the day, when he comes again, you're destined to hell. Dearly beloved, if we really believe that, there needs to be a sense of urgency about going out and repeating this. I'm begging you, be reconciled to God before it's too late. I didn't know Billy Graham personally, but I would say all of his messages came down that one central point. Get right with God now before it's too late. God is interested in the entire world being reconciled to Himself. He doesn't want anyone to be weighed down by a sinful past. He doesn't want anyone to be shackled by shame or guilt. God extended His grace to us through Jesus' death and resurrection. We are ambassadors who implore others to confess their sin. That's our job. That's what we do. But before you can announce that as an ambassador, you have to have it for yourself. So the first question is, are you reconciled to God this morning through Christ? You can't have all this past go away and all this stuff we're talking about unless you are in Christ. That means to walk in His ways. That means to come forward and to confess Him as your Lord and Savior, to give your life over to Him. And confess your sins and turn and run towards Him. And if you've done that, is the past or a past event holding on to you? And and it's just immobilizing you? You know, the enemy does that. You go to church. And you leave church. And you get in your car. And you're driving down, 455. And someone cuts you off. And immediately, what do you say? Let's be honest. Or you go to Walmart, or whatever the situation you and God says, how, how can you praise me with the same mouth you just took my name and profaned it? Now we have a choice in that moment. Say, God, you are right. I am sorry. Please forgive me. I don't want to do that again. And then take steps that we will change. That comes with Spending time with Him in the Word and prayer and all those things. But then enemy will use that only events to see that. You're not really a Christian. Look what you've done. And He uses the shame and the guilt. Please bear with me for a second. All that shame and guilt builds up and you become convinced that you're the only one who has problems. Now you start isolating yourself. Well, God, I can't tell anybody this. I'm ashamed of this. People will laugh at me. And we come further and further isolated. Too. We start holding back from being together with God's people and we start stepping back from any godly influence we have in our lives and we constantly isolate ourselves. All because of that shame, guilt, and fear. And I'm telling you, dearly, beloved, we need to let that go. You'll never find more sympathetic people than right here because we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. Let go of that past. Give it over to Him. A love for God is contagious. People want to hear what it means to you. This can be a rhetorical question or feel free to do this yourself. I want you to turn to the person, and see the next tier behind you. Share your favorite movie line or share your favorite song or something that you're really passionate about. Whatever it is in your life that that would come easy, wouldn't it? See, Larry's doing it right there. He's telling her what he's passionate about. How easy is that to do, right? Because you're passionate about that. It's something you love to do. Something that just gets your fire going, right? Someone asks you a question about that, you're off. And you'll even cut people off if they try to ask questions. They'll be like, "Eh, but, 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 and you just keep going. Now, if I told you to turn to your neighbor and talk about the last time you had with your tax accountant or you sat through a a boring insurance seminar, that'd be kind of hard to do, wouldn't it? Because you're not that passionate about that. I don't want to talk about that. That's boring. See, we should be passionate about God's love for us and what He's done. That should be second nature to us. Let me tell you what God's done for me. They want to see us live it out. Talking about Him and celebrating His love should be our second nature. Tell your story. Share how your past has been forgiven. Let people know who you were before Jesus Christ and let them know what He's doing, what He has done, what He's currently doing since He changed your life in that moment of time. And telling them, if He can change me, He can change any one of you. And it's good to have Scriptures and... Le- learn to lead someone to Christ show them the scriptures and Romans and other ones we can learn but the greatest story you tell is what happened to you personally being a preacher was the farthest thing from my mind the fact to even walked through the door is an act of mercy in itself little did I know what God had in store and some of you right now are thinking I can never do what you do Tim I can never teach oh God doesn't call the equipped, He equips the called. He's looking for people willing to stand up and say, God, I'll do whatever you want because I know you'll equip me. I have faith that you're going to work. The the work that you started in me, you're going to perfect it to the very end, so I'm going to walk in faith and follow you. See, Jesus wants to make His appeal to the the world through the way we live. Boy, oh boy, what an opportunity that we have now. With everything else going on. How can you live like that? Why can you be so optimistic? Because It's not me, it's based on who I know. Because I know as bad as it is right now, and it hurts, and I cry, but through my tears and through my pain, I have confidence, I can have peace, because I know He's coming again. I know I belong to him and nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, not even death. And with that, I can face all things. This is not the end. This is not all there is. This is not even close to what it's going to be like. You ever stop and think about heaven? We talk about the gold streets and the heavenly uh, mansions and all this stuff. Can you imagine being there, seeing all the loved ones going on before? And to see the one who took the nails for us to look him in the eye and to stand before the holy God of the universe without blemish and without reproach because the precious blood of Christ covers us? What's that going to be like? I have no idea. And our relationship with each other will be perfect. All sin will be eradicated. Dearly beloved, I must admit that some days I'm ready to go right now. But there's work to be done. See, someone cared enough about me to keep telling me about Jesus and to keep demonstrating that to me day in and day out. And that was my mama. Gave me a godly wife who just wanted me to get back in church. I don't want to be a pastor's wife, she'll tell you that. That's a whole other issue in itself. But who constantly demonstrates to me the love of Christ. They want to see it. See it lived out. It doesn't mean you're perfect. None of us are perfect. But it means we encourage each other. We pick each other up. We don't let the past control our present or our future. We learn from it. We confess it. And repent and turn from it, but we'll never get perfect. That will never happen until we are glorified in the end of time. And then in verse 21, our righteousness is replaced by God's righteousness. What an incredible change took place on the cross of Calvary. Jesus took our sin and replaced it with the righteousness of God. And that Greek word righteousness means doing what God requires, doing what is right. Because of Christ, we are, are approved in the eyes of God. His righteousness is His divine approval. Look what this says. The one who lived a sinless life died a sinner's death. Christ experiences the consequences for human sin, even though He was sinless. God dealt with Him as though He were a sinner by letting Him die in a accursed death. And look what the text says. We don't simply have the righteousness of God. What's the last part of that saying, that verse? It's the so that. It's a consequential phrase. Because of all this, so that we might become the righteousness of God. We are given this righteousness only as we are in Him. And we'll be raised like Him only if we live in Him. So all this we're talking about this morning is, a con- is uh, modified by that prepositional phrase, in Him. Are you in Him? Are you a believer? Have you given your life to Christ? Are you walking in the light as He is in the light? Are you loving God? Are you loving others? Is there a point in your life where you came and say, God, I've broken your law. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Jesus, come into my life and change it. Here's my heart. Walk through every single room. Remodel it as only as you can. I want to be a new creature. I don't want to be the old Tim anymore. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Everything I try, I fail. God, I give it up. Here it is. That was me. Years ago. Tried everything the world had to offer and I could not find peace. I could not find what I was looking for. And I had the answer the entire time that was told me. But then the light went on. I need Christ. He's the answer. He is what I'm looking for. And some of you in this room are like that. You're chasing something that you'll never find outside from Christ. I believe this message is something we all needed to hear today. If you're united with Christ, you made a profession of your faith, God does not see your sinful past anymore. He looks through the precious blood of Christ and sees you as forgiven. That seems almost to be too good to be true, but it is. It's the gospel in Greek Eugalion, which means good news. Why is it called good news? Because we deserve the death that Jesus died. But God offers us eternal life and forgiveness. If you are in Christ, behold, all things have passed away. Everything becomes new. It makes a change in your heart. You see things you did not see. You hear things you did not used to hear. Everything starts making sense. You start reading the Bible, and the Holy Spirit, wow, oh, I didn't see that before. You start learning. You start changing radically. To which people go back and go, what in the world happened to him? He left and became what? Him? a pretty got to be kidding How that happen? Perfect opportunity to tell them what Christ means to them. Me. There's people watching you. But I do believe that some of us, if not all of us, let that one thing in the past, our skeletons in the closet, you don't want Jesus going there, why won't you just open that up and say, Jesus, do what you want. It. I've tried to deal with it, but I can't. I, I can't do nothing with it. everything I try, dear Lord. It just fails. Instead of having a closed fist, you open up and say, "Here it is." And that's why, in the Bible, it says, "Raise holy hands," because when you raise your hands up like this, it's an act of surrender. God, I give it up. I, I give everything to you. 1 John 1, 8 through 10. And this, I plan to say this before the lesson this morning. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of us have sin. All of us. But if we confess it, he is righteous and just to forgive us and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. This is going to sting. But in the, God, the God, the creator of this universe, and you feel that conviction in your heart, even now, if you don't do something with it, you're telling Him He's a liar. He doesn't know what He's doing. But yet he still reaches out to us. I know I sound like a broken record this morning, but I got to make the point again. Do not let something that happened in the past have so much power over the present that it's controlling your future. Jesus said, I come to give life that they might have life more abundantly. Like I said last week, there's freedom and letting go. How much longer? Are you going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and getting the same result? Kind of like an alcoholic. Keep drinking and have a good time. When you wake up in the morning, you have a hangover and you have more problems. So, what do you do? To you forget your problems, you drink again. You become drunk, It goes away from raw, you wake back up, you have the same problems plus more. So, what do you do? You go back to the bottle. You keep going back. And it's just the endless progression. And that sin just keeps sending you down further and further and further and further and further further down until you think there's no way out. Oh, yeah, there is. It's Jesus Christ. But you have to be willing to let Him in every area of your life. And as I close, not only is it our personal lives, but also in the life of the church. God, let you come into our body of believers here. Search us and try us. We proclaim on the sign right out there. It says living by faith, known by what? Love. Are we truly doing that? Are we truly doing that? I beg of you. I plead of you do not leave here until you do business with God. Better to take another 10 to 15 minutes than to live a life that holds you in shame and guilt. You can walk out of here a different person. Why carry the same baggage in here that you can with you outside? Why? There's no reason for it. Jesus paid the cost once and for all on the cross. What's the scripture say? If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Once again, it has to be your choice. He does not force himself into it. And when that happens, if you let him in, it's going to be painful. I'll tell you that. When God holds that mirror up to your face and starts doing some heart surgery, it is painful. But the result is so much worth it. To have an intimate, breathing, leading, living relationship with our Creator. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we let so many things take control, we get so involved life here on earth that we forget to look up we forget to put our eyes on the high calling that we have which is in Christ Jesus Father I pray for those who are watching for those here in this room that we let go Father that means confession repentance so be it Father, You would break every wall down and break every chain. Father, those among us who have never given their lives to You, put their faith and their trust in Your Son as their Lord and Savior of their lives, I pray to God that will happen here today. Continue to bind the enemy away from here. He has no business here. Jesus, you said it yourself. He is the father of lies. May we listen to your voice, the voice of truth. May we respond in obedience to that call. May your spirit continue to move, continue to have his way here this morning. In your son's name we pray. Amen.